Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Podcast. We're going to recap the weekend that was for all of our players in the U.S. Men's National Team player pool and discuss how the performances with their clubs need to be replicated with the national team. But first, let's see what Heath and Charlie were up to this weekend. Charlie, I'm coming to you first. We saw on your Insta story that you were golfing at one of your golf clubs. Uh, <laughs> and now you're at Hogwarts or whatever. I don't know what your wine cellar with the chandeliers. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. If you can't see them, you have to take our word yes. for it. It is, it is remarkable. How are you, Charlie? How was your weekend? fantastic we uh i was coaching my my kids youth soccer team we we got the w but more importantly everyone was having fun they're spread out playing the game <laughs> the right way for first graders let's go wait wait wait, wait hey, wait. hey hold, on, hold on hold on hold on charlie how old are they how old they're are they? six years old they don't keep scoring six dude you're listen, teaching really bad habits to these listen, kids now you're not supposed to keep scoring. listen it's not about the not w but guess what we got the w you gave us the yeah. result first yeah. and then said but hey they yeah. had fun they had fun hey, they had what fun. if you say the same thing if they, if they hey i've the seen L. i've seen movies on parents like this you know what i mean like living vicariously through their <laughs> ladybugs you know, yeah. them to win not me. guys just no heads up there's no goal uh there's no scorekeeping today and then charlie's looking at his kids going damn wrong about that <laughs> score not me you know, I, I don't care getting, about they're the getting, score they're getting candy and treats for every goal they score <laughs> so so your brother's already in the chat charlie saying you're a terrible golfer can you I confirm am, I, or deny I this am, rumor I, I can confirm i am not a great golfer but i got a chance to go to old sandwich golf club uh in the cape incredible place um and I had fun. It's all about having fun. It's not about the results. It is. It's not. No, it's definitely in golf. I agree with you on that. Heath, talk to us about your weekend. Any any highlights for you? Uh, yeah, I played in a professional beach tennis tournament this weekend. And um, because Wait, I'm so low. Tennis? No, beach tennis. Beach tennis. Does the ball like, bounce on beach tennis? I have no, no idea. What it doesn't is. bounce. It like has to be ball. in the air. It's like, it's yeah, like, it's like kind of like, 
it, no, like ping pong. pickleball bounces. No, that bounces. You guys are saying the same thing as what tennis is. It's like it's just volleyball. I, I can ex- I, <laughs> volleyball. I can't, volleyball, I can't even visualize with, what the with, hell you're it's talking with about. With a small racket. tennis ball and 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 a, a paddle like racket and. I is played in a, a professional three one. Down? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, and is Matt and Turner I, uh, on your three down again? <laughs> because I'm so low ranked, uh, because I'm so low ranked in the world, I had to go through qualifying, uh, which was horrible. And by the time you get to the main draw after qualifying, you play against these young kids from Venezuela or Portugal or whatever that just absolutely humbled and battered me. Um, but overall, it was pretty fun. So we have a professional beach tennis player now on the pod. I'm a multi-sport out. I'm the Bo Jackson of 2022. Bo Jackson. Stop. He's going to have to get banned again, I think, for the second half of a Oh, uh, Knowing you guys, you're going to say that that Matt Turner's arsenal with that that big win this weekend in the North London Derby was he's going to be in a three-up when he just watched it from the front row. You know what I mean? Okay. Sometimes it helps to have great seats. You know what I'm saying? All right. So we weren't the only ones that had a good weekend. We also had some players that did the business. We had Christian Pulisic coming off the bench. For Graham Potter and Chelsea, as they got a big result against Selhurst Park, he came on super sub and got the assist. Connor Gallagher had a lot of work to do to curl it into the back post to get the win 2-1 for the Blues. But this is the conversation I want to have with everybody. And then we'll obviously get into all the players and, and what they did this weekend. But when Christian picks up this ball on the sideline, he then gets the ball and can run and does successfully through three or four guys, which is what he does very well. And he touches it over to Connor Gallagher, who then creates some space to hit this shot for the game winner. And I thought it was a deserved assist. It wasn't like an assist to like a one-time shot, which feels like a more traditional assist. But he did a lot of work to set up Connor Gallagher to be in a space to make that happen. So, because I saw some some people out there saying it's not an assist. It's an assist, okay? He did a lot of work to get that. What I want to get into, though, is when I thought about where Christian picked up that ball and started, started his run, I don't remember seeing that against Saudi Arabia once. And I can't remember, I can't, I just can't, he didn't play against Japan, but I can't remember, like, when do we ever get him and supply him the ball on the sideline where he can do his thing and run at people? It always seems like we try to, or he picks up the ball centrally. And that's a problem for me, because that, for me, is when Christian Pulisic is at his best, 20 yards away from goal on the sideline, and just starts to just weave through people, because they have to be a little bit more careful on how they tackle him. It's not in the middle of the field. Charlie, go ahead. It seems like you're ready to go. I mean, it's just a broken record, is what we've been saying this whole time isolated, getting out wide by the touchline. Look at the rest of the players within the Chelsea squad, where they were on the pitch. They weren't all conjumbled in, into one spot. Everyone was spaced out, and they let Christian Pulisic be wide, and he stayed wide. He didn't come inside. He didn't think, oh, my gosh, I got to get inside and get on the ball. Yes, when you create that space for yourself, naturally, 1v1, you can go to, you can go to the end line or you can cut inside, which he did, and still drive forward – and not everyone was coming to him. That that was a space that when he's at his best, t- he takes advantage of. That's exactly what he did. So for me, that's what we need to see with the U.S. Women's National Team. The is posi- it possible, though? Because if we have Anthony Robinson healthy. Yes, you need like, to rely on Anthony Robinson well, to create he, chances. But, but, if our outside, no, but if our outside backs are the ones creating the width or our wing backs, no, that's then that, that, that takes saying. away Christian Pulisic. I'm just well, saying. I know. But if you're Christian Pulisic, if you're any talented winger, you look at the outside back, you go, you can get around me when I come inside, when I need you to, to create that space. You're another option. Otherwise, you're a left back. Stay there. 
This is my actually, space. By, no, no, by, by the way, it, it's not. And, and as, as the resident left back here, guys, uh, because <laughs> not, not because I was the best, but because you guys couldn't, you know, they put me there because I, you know, of how good I was at, at it. You're the only no, left you know, footer on the podcast. Yeah. Relax. That's true. That's true. I mean, my left foot is my lesser of bad feet. So they put me there. Um, the, <clears throat> the whole point of like, if you have a, if you have a classic winger that, that paints the sidelines, right? Where their, their shoes are white all game long. Cause they're on that, on the sideline. And that's not Christian Pulisic, but the traditional, like Eddie Lewis, right. Sat out on the touchline always, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or, or even DeMarcus Beasley preferred to be out on the touchline, get isolated and, and run at players. You, you have to be at an angle with them as a, as a fullback. So you don't sit on the same line as them. You're tucked in a little bit to create those angles of passing, or you do where you run up and through and they're able to check back and get the ball at their feet still on the touchline. You learn to find where your space is to get forward and you're maybe you're running inside or on the occasion that they do come into the pocket, you're getting around them. But it doesn't have to just be where the width comes from the fullbacks. The fullbacks can make those diagonal runs through the midfield that allow uh, a player like Christian Pulisic to check back on the touchline and have that free pass from a, from a, from a center back. We saw that a little bit with um, – which of the which of the two games was it? I think it was Vines rant was running way up the field and allowing um, Gio Reyna to come back and get it on his feet just to clear out that space if he's not getting the ball in good spots but wants to be out on the touchline. So it, it's just a way of working together that you have to make adjustments. Just because both play play wide or better wide doesn't mean that it, they they neutralize well, each other, so to speak. But Heath, how, how many times have you been in a match though where you don't even need to make that run? They're not, maybe they're not sitting in a low block and it's very tough to, to break down that you are, are saying, go ahead and do your thing. I'll play you the ball and I'll give you that space. I'm not going to bring oh, anyone else into that. A lot. Right. If, if the game so dictates that you've got to sit back and the game dictates that like, you know, you've got a local Rodriguez uh, from Guatemala sitting up on the half line, you know that like, okay, my first job is to defend anyway. And maybe the game is presenting a situation where you're going to be able to get the ball to him. And the game's going to happen so fast that you're not getting up and around. You don't need to provide the width. They're not sitting in a, in a, in a deep block where you need to create a 2v1 in those situations. A 1v1 is good enough for a player like Christian Pulisic. If he can get him isolated and where he can put his head up, take his first touch at his defender, that's better than any 2v1 scenario that we're going to present with, with Jedi Robinson. Do you think that – this is I love this conversation because it's, it's nuanced and there's a lot of – there's a lot to unpack here. I wonder at times, though, and it's a bit of a conundrum because let's take Japan. And I know Christian didn't play against Japan, but but Gio was there and Brendan was there. And we had, obviously, good attacking options in those winger spots. And sometimes I wonder, was it Japan doing a good job of, of not allowing us to have that space? Because Gio only had a couple opportunities, especially in the first half, where he ran at guys. And when he did, I remember them being quite successful. Or if we unlocked something on the right side, Dest or De La Torre got out wide. That, that there was space there to be exploited. And then Japan kind of figured it out and we got stifled. We couldn't get to those same areas consistently. So I wonder if it's an opponent or if we, as our system, isn't set up to really make sure that those guys get the ball in some ways. I also want to add, when you think about some of the best players in the world and the teams that they play for, and, and I'm thinking Messi, it's an easy fallback, but he walks around a lot. And I know that when he walks around, that that he's still occupying a lot of attention from a lot of players, right? And so him by walking does help his team defensively because they still have to put two or three guys or keep an eye on him because if he gets the ball in transition, they're dead, right? They can't I, they can't go one v one with him. Do you think that maybe we're so honest? And I did this with Kansas City when we played with Precky. Like Precky, I don't want the guy to defend because I want him to save all of his energy to go forward. Do you think there might be some value in just saying, "Hey, Christian, just cheat." Just stay high and, and just see what the other team does. We don't need you to come back. We, we're good enough to defend with nine or eight or whatever it is. 
maybe less, depending on, on the numbers in the transition. Just stay high and see what happens. Make them make a decision now. Let's let's be in control of the tactics instead of always being reactionary. And I wonder if we have the balls or the courage to actually try that and tell some of our guys just to cheat and hang up out and see what the other team does to react. We don't have to do it for 90 minutes. Nothing's set in stone. The game's fluid. But would, but do you think there's some value there? Charlie, I'll come to you on that in terms of just maybe just like Christian, just stay high. Just see what happens. And maybe we can get you the ball in, in, in ways that we haven't been able to do that consistently. I think there, there, there are terms, uh, times when you can play like that. But I think of myself in terms of how I was defending as, as a nine or I was playing in a two-striker system. I, I think in this, this day and age in, in, in the world's game, you cannot play with just 10 players, one player not, not expected to defend at all. I think every player has some part to play in whether it's shaping the press, whether it's forcing the ball to one side. I just feel at this, at this stage, you cannot play with one player who just refuses to defend, no matter who you are. Unless you're scoring 50 goals a season, then go ahead. But that realistically, that's not happening. I think Christian can still find balance in defending and then finding the spots in transition, at least the starting positions to be ready for the transition. It's not that you have to be actively defending at all aspects of the game. It's when the ball gets by you, it's switching to the opposite side. Now setting yourself up so that if there is a turnover, you're the first option and, and you're in space. So I think it's it's about just the, the starting position of when you're out of the play, when you're not involved in the act of defending, being ready for transition, and then everyone else knowing this is the ball we got to play to Christian to his feet so he can get going and running at opposing back lines. Cause that's, that's when Christian's at his best when he's in transition and the defense isn't set yet. It's in that position where he can just run at somebody one V one. He beats that one player. And now the, the defenders are still recovering. They're not yeah. set, sit in a set, in, uh, set in a block. That's when Christian's at his best. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I like that. Keith, I want to hear from you with regard to this. Cause I think there's something about, just taking that risk at times, like, hey, I don't know what minute, whatever they want to do it, but just just to put some pressure on the other team to now have to solve a problem that we're presenting. And I don't feel like we presented enough problems, at least in our last two games against Japan and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think I, I'm trying to write off these last two games because I think that was attempting to play in a way that we haven't played in a long time. Um, and And the more I reflect on that holistically as like even a couple of years, it seems like we got to qualify. We got to the summer tournaments uh, last summer. And then we were into qualifying and we just sort of wrote off. We went for function over fashion. And I think this was an sure. attempt to go down a route of being able to present something different to teams of saying, hey, we're struggling to break the low block. Let's build up then here and try to pull them out of that space a little bit and try, try to draw them further up the field and realize, okay, we can't do that either. If they press us, we're in trouble. If they sit in a low block, we're in trouble. Now that might be playing into the hands of another team, but I feel like we were tinkering a little bit with that space. But like you said, Jimmy, the game is, is, is fluid and sometimes – you, you go with the game plan and you know that there's a, there's a few players on every team that go with the game plan with a, yeah, I kind of buy this game <laughs> plan, but I'm probably going to go out there and, uh, I'm just going to do go whatever the hell the I want. Yeah. Whatever. I'm going to find whatever. the ball and I'm going to do what I want. But Charlie's right. The game is different. Now players on the field are too skillful and the game is too fast now to have a, a players just taking plays off unless you, unless you've got an X factor that's going to deliver a game in and game out. Right. Or you can maybe have one player that's cheating but, but, a little let, bit and sure, all, all defenders cheat a little bit. Right. Let's think, uh, let's I mean, think I'll about try, this I'll though a little bit though. I mean, when I knew and lean on experience here, when I knew that one of our, our attackers 
wasn't going to defend, it almost gave me more comfort as a defender knowing that we're all on the same page. Like at this moment, in these particular situations, X play, this whatever player, Precky, we'll just say Precky, he's not going to defend. So we're not going to rely on him to do that. But when we get it, we have to find him. And then it's on him to create that energy to get into the pockets that can help us transition and for him to do his things. And I feel like we're so honest defensively and we're all working really hard. It doesn't mean we're always working together, but we're working really hard to try to win it back. And I don't always think we're being as efficient with our energy as we can be and also not being as threatening as we can be, given the honest, the, the, we can all see how vibrant our attack is when it's in full stride and it's getting the ball in good spots and running at defenders. But these teams are going to sit in the mid block and not allow that to happen. So what do we have to do? And I think there has to be a little bit of cheating involved. When I say cheating, everybody, I mean, just, just that's a couple guys aren't in and having to defend. They're just staying a little bit higher. They're pulling, they're, they're making the other team have to think and what they're going to do. And that will hopefully, hopefully open up pockets of space. I haven't really entered into that phase of tactics because I haven't seen it from Greg. There's just no way he's ever going to be like, oh, I'll let that player do whatever he, the hell he wants. For, but I'm not asking for 90 minutes of it. I'm asking for five minutes, 10 minutes here or there mm -hmm. just to see what happens. So, Charlie, I wanna, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I know we've yeah, gotten but Jimmy, to the by, by the way, I know you're going to ask Charlie this. Uh, oh, yeah, let's uh, go to you. Sorry, Heath, you didn't finish with that. I interrupted. But my, 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 my point was is that how many times was it, hey, we're going to press the first 10 minutes. And once the game settles in, we're going to drop our press to the top of the circle. Or right. if things are wrong, like we have a few different lines of confrontation based on how the opponent's able to adjust. And yes, I agree that you want to have a few of your players cheating. When Charlie pressed, he was probably one of the few uh, attackers or strikers that pressed honestly, right? That made the game predictable. But during that time, you still had your, a few of your attackers that the main goal was, hey, just approach them. Don't overcommit. Get them to put their head down. Because once they put their head down, now we have the ability around us to make some adjustments and and collapse on that press or know where the ball is going, at least make it predictable for us. They don't right. have to be yeah, part of this, shape, like shape the well game, they have to shape the game into a certain space. And, yeah, I get and, it. and I feel like we don't have, again, that uh, plan A, plan B, plan C of saying 15 minutes in, it's not working. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I continue to go back to the idea that I don't think we have enough experience on the field to be able to go to that in times. Yeah, um, we need, we and, need and, some older players, man. Which, which it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to simulate or replicate that, you know, there, yeah. uh, but I, I do think you can play a system in the world cup. And I, again, I'm writing off these two games. I have to, I, I just can't process it, process it any other way than Greg trying to figure out other ways to approach teams based on uh, that, on the opponent or on the points you need or, or where the space is going to be. And it didn't work. And we've got to go back to a little bit of that fight where, um, there's some fluidity to the game and it's a little bit more straight up. I don't know. Do you guys think that Charlie, do you think that playing a little more straight up like that where it's, you've got a plan, but it's a little more fluid is better than this super rigid club team Complex. type approach. That could take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it I, is. Yeah. I'm, 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 all, right I'm always about simplifying the game it, because as soon as you start trying con to control everybody like robots, it never works out that way. That's, that's why the game is, is, and, and then it ends up being reactive and you're not proactive because all of a sudden you're like, oh, we were supposed to play this way and this way and this guy's supposed to be here. You can't control people. You give them an idea, a philosophy. This is how we like to play. Now, you can't always play that way. That's just how it's set up. Some teams will defend high. Some teams will defend low. Some teams like possession. Some people like long balls. Some play, people are over aggressive in the press. You have to dictate your, your style and your philosophy before the game and in the game, because sometimes in the game, they switch things up. And all of a sudden, we were expecting them to sit back and now they're pressing. 
I'm sure England's thinking, oh, U.S., Iran, Wales, they're going to sit in low blocks. The whole group stage, we're going to play against teams that are not really going to come at us. Well, I would not be shocked if some teams say, for 15 minutes, we're going to give it a go. We're going to see how they react. We'll and then if it goes problems. well, you keep yeah, it right. going. Right. right? Exactly and right. If it doesn't go well, then you, okay, go back to our original plan, plan A. But I think for us, when you're watching the U.S. men's national team, when you're seeing them play, there's a lack of creativity because everyone's thinking about this and that and how should we move here. But we're not playing just normal. Okay, one, two, launch it into the channel, have that run. Who's who's supporting? You know, you have a couple of guys who's pinched in. But we don't. we're not finding the game in the attacking half because everyone's too disconnected. I, I just feel – I find it that we're not all getting on the ball. And I don't know if it's because – we have a lack of players who can get on the ball, feel comfortable, and, and can beat their player 1v1 on the dribble. You know, if without Yunus Musa in the midfield, who, who is that guy? Because think right, about right. all the top yeah, guys yeah. we've played with. You could play into trouble into John O'Brien, into Benny Philhaber, uh, you know, Clint Dempsey, Lennon Donovan. All these guys were comfortable on the ball in the midfield. You didn't have to worry. If there was somebody on their back and you played to them, you didn't go, oh, my God, they're going to play to me one touch. They could keep it. They could turn. They could dribble. And then they could find the next guy. If we don't, if those guys in the midfield currently are on the ball, uh, get on the ball, and if it, if Yunus Musa is not there, who's doing that? Yeah. Well, I, I just to put a button uh, on this part of the conversation, then we'll move on to uh, a little fun fact, and then and then the next player that I want to discuss. I just would like to see what if what if we just said, hey, whoever's up top, let's say let's say uh, Jesus Ferrer. And, and Christian Pulisic's on one side and Gio Rayner, Brendan Aronson's on the other, Timo Weah's on the other side. Just stay. Don't, we don't need you to defend. We got this. And I want to just see with how, what, what is Wales? What are they going to do in that? They're going to keep their guys back. And what is that going to do? That's going to open up pockets of space in midfield for the same thing that you're saying, Charlie, where Yunus Musa can now pick up the ball and actually have some space to run into, or even Weston can do that. Tyler, Tyler is obviously pushing a little higher up the field for leads. That's so. a chess game. That's a chase. It's a, that's chess, a chess game, game though, right? But, but Which if is we like, never who's play- going to win that? If you overcommit, they have to adjust. If they bite or if they overcommit and you don't punish them for their overcommitting and you're leaving players forward, that's it. They've now got the one nil and they can now sit back and whatever, right? So it's a it's a little there is sort of that in a game plan, which me as a fullback, always the whole idea was to get up as quick as possible a few times to force their defender. Uh, their midfielder to have to track back and play defense because he's got to play worst. defense. He's not doing what he's, <laughs> he's not doing what he's best at. And if that fullback has to now play against two players and he's pulling his midfielder back, you're you're pushing them back further and further. And then the game might happen 15 minutes later where they're finally getting a rhythm. You're getting pinned back, and so you're trying constantly trying to neutralize what makes them good and 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 push the buttons of what what makes your team good. But it's hard to like those are risks, and then you've got to settle in because if. You leave a Christian Pulisic just sitting up at the half line, and you never get him the ball. Well, now you've just defended. Well, for 40 no, that's minutes. on him at that point. Like and, and, I said and you're before, down it's man. on him that he has to go find the man. ball. If he's going to conserve his energy, then then and and not we don't asking him to take on that defensive responsibility. Then he has to go find the ball. I don't care if it's on the wing. I don't care if it's underneath. He's got to go find it, and then well, he's got to go do something. Otherwise, yeah, we can't go from this. But I think that there's some value here, Charlie. In in at some point in the game, to his point, like, can we do that early? Can we just? Throw them off. They already have an idea of how we're going to play. Are we going to be that naive and continue to roll out the same stuff? Or are we going to actually try to take some risk with our tactics and, and be a little bit swashbuckling? Like, you know what? F these guys. We're going to go for it. We're going to take some risk, and we'll see what happens because we think we're good enough to handle these situations. Again, I want to reemphasize, I'm not asking for this for 90 minutes, but I think that there's room to try this.
Did you just say swashbuckling? Isn't I that did. Like I did. Yeah. He, so what? Yeah. Isn't that he, a? Isn't yeah, that? Yeah, he he's been watching a lot of of pirate pirates shows of the or Caribbean. Something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Swashbuckling. <laughs> no, I can see Frankie hey. Nick writing that on a on a whiteboard before a game. Swa- oh, let me, yeah. Just for anybody that doesn't know, I couldn't think of another buckler, word. <laughs> a swashbuckler is a person who engages in daring and romantic adventures with bravado or flamboyance. <laughs> yes. Is, what's what's wrong with that? It, that does sound uh, like Jim in front of Old Trafford. Yeah. romantically <laughs> darting through players to put one into the top corner. I don't think I like that's it. too big I of a like No, I like it. Well, What's some swashbucklers out there? Well, uh, Jimmy, I'd also yeah. say in, in terms <laughs> of Jimmy. having one player who who kind of cheats and, and doesn't defend as much and is toeing the line, that person has to be able to threaten and, and in most cases with pace. And that is why defenders would not come up forward and, and – will stay back because they're afraid of getting burnt if they come to the line, if they come to the halfway line. And that that's something that I would try and do is I'd defend, I'd force them to one side. And then once it gets by me and I'm out of the play, then I would start to position myself in, in, in the open space. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we won the ball, my hand was up and I was taking off. Now those center backs and even the right back or left back, they were so conscious that they weren't going to go up. And I, I, I hated to chase a center back who got on the ball or right back sometimes, and you have to follow them all because, you know, maybe players are out of position and your task as a striker to go chase them. And I'd be like, oh, hell no. I'm not, I'm not going to be doing this for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So then you got to switch it back. And, and then as soon as you win the ball, you say, guys, this is the space in behind because these guys don't think we're, I'm going to test them. And then all of a sudden, guess what? That right back or that left back, they're not going. And those center backs – are, are talking to each, to each other and they're staying back. Now that's creating a lot of space in the midfield. Exactly. So then in that case, I think you need Timothy Weah on the pitch because he's the only one with, with real threatening speed. And then if Christian Pulisic is high enough, I think he, if he's closer to goal, then he's really threatening because he has enough pace to get in behind without players recovering. But other than that, that's the problem with the number nine. No matter who it is, no one's threatening with pace. There's not one player, you know, of the options. I think Ricardo Pepe might be the quickest over distance. I knew I know Jesus Ferreira was clocked in MLS with, I guess the, the 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 one of the top speeds for strikers, but not over a long distance. Yeah, it's it's. I just it would be cool. We played in games before where you're prepared. And you think you're prepared. You know the players you're playing against. You know the plan. You've seen them play. You've seen the video, blah, blah, blah. And then they come out and they do something a little bit different. And all of a sudden, you're looking at each other like, this wasn't part of the plan. This isn't. And you got to solve that. And I, I just, I just, every, everything that you guys are saying without saying it directly is we need to make the other team feel uncomfortable. And how quickly can we do that in our first mm-hmm. game against Wales is going to be a big question. All right. The fun fact that I have for you, this has been a great topic of conversation. I, pre- I appreciate you two in particular for indulging me in it. Christian Pulisic. Uh, by the way, 100- Jimmy said, Jimmy said, Jimmy said, uh, well, you know, let me, just to put a button on it and then dr- drag us right back into the whole conversation well, again. No, I didn't. I have- think- yeah, you know, okay. or a bow. You're either gonna put a bow or a button, Jimmy. And okay. you pulled, you pulled Charlie. You pulled on our hearts. Guys back, in. Right back in. Well, the yeah. swashbuckling. You guys were both up for the romantic <laughs> adventure here. Okay, so Christian Pulisic, 162 minutes in the Premier League, has one assist. His counterpart that plays for England, named Mason Mount, has started seven games or six games. Excuse me, one time as a sub. 483 minutes, no goals, no assists. Maybe just give Christian Pulisic, Pulisic some more time. So he can give it some more Pulisic assists. You know what I'm saying? You like what I did there, Grand Potter? Come on, buddy. You got a big game against Maccabi Haifa. 
this weekend, midweek against, excuse me, midweek in the Champions League. All right, let's move on to Ricardo Pepe because we talked about him uh, a few times, mentioned his name, had a great goal for Groningen. He is the first non-European player, if I'm not mistaken, to have three goals, three goal contributions in his first three games in the Eredivisie. He's got two goals and an assist. This one in particular, ball up over the top, and he handles two center backs, sends one of them to the weight room, and finds a way to hit the back of the net. I mean, Charlie is our resident number nine. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what we wanted to see maybe with the U.S., but it seemed like his timing, his anticipation to get into that spot in behind. Obviously, the ball was fantastic to, to put him in that position, but then he had a lot of work to do to score a very good goal. Uh, that's a pretty good sign from a Ricardo Pepe. This is the Ricardo Pepe that we thought that Heath was hyping up all those months Char- ago. Charlie, Charlie, what was the what was the quote that you said when we were talking about it over the weekend? Uh, I'm I'm looking through I'm looking through our chat now to see what you had said. Something about um, the will, like when the will something um, means more than you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, Charlie. You were probably drinking. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I I think I know what you you're referring to in terms of just the desire and the will. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, I'll tell I'll tell you the exact words that you use, but go ahead. When okay. You, when you're talking, I'll find. Um, what I what I loved about that goal was it was just a determination. You he was not going to lose his duel. He was not going to lose it, and he was going to get that opportunity. Oh, the that desire why, takes you over the top. The desire yes. takes you over the top. You know, and and that's exactly what happened. He he what he was pushing himself to make sure he was going to use every ounce of his ability, strength, speed quickness and and just the presence of mind knowing where he is knowing where the keeper is to finish that off that's why he needs to play every week so he can continue to grow that's why this loan move to Groningen is a step one step back from the Bundesliga but that's going to allow him to play so it'll be two steps forward and that's why he's going to go to the World Cup he is going to go to the World Cup because he's playing every week and yeah his team's not the best I mean Alkmaar is is good they're not the best in the Eredivisie by any means but that's those are the matches where you learn and you you grow and you figure out ways to to make an impact in the game. Yes, they lost four one, but that that's the type of 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 quality I want to see from strikers with the U.S. men's national team. And and he's tested and he's pushed. So uh, Ricardo Pepe not putting his head down. We talked about it. Didn't didn't really take his chance. He did not take his chance. But he comes back to club and just picks up where he left off and does not put his head down and sulk and go, oh man, you know I I didn't get didn't didn't grab my opportunity with both hands and now I'm not going to, you know, get, I'm going to get in this funk again. No, he kept going. So mm-hmm. that's how you earn an opportunity at the world cup. And, and I think it demonstrated that if we did want to hit a ball up over the top to him, because there's obviously a lot of talk Heath about how good he is when he drops into the midfield and looks to combine that he does have this tool in his tool belt as well, that he can body some center backs. He can find himself in a good spot and under duress, he can still hit the back of the net. Cause this, he was basically on the ground and somehow hit, uh, the top yeah. of the net, which was a very good goal. Well, one of the things I just like about him generally is he's a big body, but he's kind of got that, like, the moment he lays it off, he's running as fast as he can towards the goal, right? Like, he's just got this, you see a lot of them get the ball, get back, get between the center backs, but he's just got this lay it off, get the ball forward, and he wants to go. That that hunger is one of the things that I've just liked about him, and granted, it was almost a year between goals for him, but to see that kind of come to fruition now in this brief moment, uh, is how I remembered him a year ago, right? That willingness to get in the box, scrap, fight, do like some of those little dirty things that when you're a center back, Jimmy, 
you probably hated playing against guys that were scrappy, you know, willing to pull on your arm, pull your arm down while they're sliding through to score a goal, poke a ball, like those kinds of things where they're just always in and around you. And they're, it's never going to be just a non-contact uh, goal situation where everything's going to be a scrap and a battle. Similar to how, you know, Charlie, you'd posted recently a, a goal that you'd scored at Hammerby where you kind of came down shoulder to shoulder on the sideline, end up cutting, mm -hmm. driving inside. But there's a lot of three, four moments where that defender has an opportunity to make a play. And you're outplaying him in each of those moments to create your goal scoring opportunity. And that's just one of those things that I really like about, about his game and other strikers that play like that. And that, and that literally came off the press. I was pressing up the, the center back. He had the ball. He tries to clip a ball. I just get in the way of it. it hits my face. I follow <laughs> it. He tracks me. Then I was playing for the foul. I was just trying to play the foul for the foul, get to the ball first, get my body. And he, and he, he makes contact with me, but the ref didn't call. So I bounced up quick and went right to goal, just thinking quickly and reacting and, and being aggressive. Um, you know, those are the things that you, you want to see more of in the striker pool. And I see this uh, comment from Christopher Walken, of course. He says, any other striker in, in, in different generations, we'd be looking at Pepe and think, cool, maybe he'd be ready for 2026. But look how desperate we are, man. I'd say, no, look at 2010. We had Robbie Finley, who was playing in MLS. Then Hercules Gomez, who was in Liga MX, Edson Buttle in MLS. Um, we were looking for strikers. And then you fast forward to 2014. You had Aaron Johansson, who was playing at Alkmaar. In the Dude, Divisier, I forgot about Aaron right? Johansson. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we... We'd be he'd probably be still in the squad in the World Cup squad in those other generations too. It's right. it's not just because, yes, we're looking at other strikers and there's not one that you'd say there's not a Clint Dempsey there, there's not a Josie Altador or myself that you know we're we're leading the lines in 2009, 20, 2010. But he he's still he'd still be in consideration. That's for sure. That I know it's it's not ideal the striker situation right now, but if Ricardo Pepe continues to play and score goals. He'd be just like in any other generation, he'd be considered one of the, the strikers for the World Cup. I think what I love about this sequence, and if you haven't seen the goal, go try to find it. It's it's online or on Twitter. Groningen versus uh, Azad Alkmar. You can find it. It's a very good goal. They ended up losing 4-1. But I think what stood out for me, and I want this version of Ricardo Pepe on the U.S., he just had a little bit of what we were talking about before, that, that hunger, that chip on his shoulder to prove that he could, he could manage that situation, make good decisions, and obviously – bring that attack to completion, as Heath likes to say, uh, and, and finish it off. And so I think if I think everybody would buy in on Ricardo Pepe, even the haters, if they thought they were going to get that version of him in that moment, kind of fighting through it and, and doing those types of things every time he stepped on the field. I would also add, in terms of World Cup qualifying, he's already shown that he's he's got he can do it and he's got potential. I mean, away at Honduras, one of the most difficult places to play in CONCACAF, my man came alive and, and saved us. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. So he's already shown he can do it. Now, has has P Folk done that? No. Has Josh Sargent done that? No. You could argue. By the way, that was at halftime when people were already saying this guy can't do it. Right. Right. Like, the criticism was there at halftime. Right. And it was like, we need a goal score. We need a goal score. Second half came about and he came to life. It was it was under pressure and duress already. It wasn't like he came in and saved us uh, from something. You know, he, he was given a, a second half opportunity after a really bad half from the team. All right, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, though, we have plenty of other players to talk about, both on the good and the bad side of things. But we'll obviously focus on the good first. Weston McKinney is next up on our list. Don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce. And we're excited to continue our recap of the U.S. Men's National Team player pool and the performances this past weekend after a pretty listless uh, two games against Japan and Saudi Arabia. Okay, fine. I'll stop looking back. We'll start looking forward. And one of the players we need to highlight that had a great weekend, I thought, was Weston McKinney and Juve's big 3-0 win over Bologna. He started this game. He had a header in the 13th minute that uh, is nice because something maybe we haven't highlighted a lot. He didn't score, but but got himself in a good spot. Is is just we're we're kind of struggling on set pieces, and as we mentioned before, we got to get good at that because that's just one of our bread and butters uh, throughout the years. Part of our DNA being very good on set pieces, and uh, I, I and he's obviously one of our guys. So I want him to continue to be active, especially in the air, because he always seems to find his head on a lot of different opportunities. He does end up getting an assist on Juve's second goal to Dusan Vlahovic, and it was a fantastic cross to the back post, perfectly weighted, and Vlahovic. Uh, did the rest to, to head it back across and get the goal. Big, big performance here, Heath. I'll come to you first about Weston McKinney getting the start, obviously, in a big game because Maxi Allegri, the manager of Juve, under a ton of pressure. And, and they had to get that result, and they did. And it was nice to see Weston starting. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, just the bounce back and the attitude from a lot of the players uh, this weekend was was great. And I'm not saying any of them even felt like they needed to bounce back, right? You go back to your club team, you go and you play. Uh, or you go with a chip on your shoulder or you go uh, on the circumstance if you didn't get minutes in the national team, like it's not that all these players went back and go, I got to prove to the fans that I can play. Um, <laughs> but it is a reminder uh, of our, our, our capabilities in a world cup that if you go back to a lot of the things that made us good uh, a year ago, when, when we won trophies in the nation's league and we won the gold cup, it wasn't, none of us were sitting here talking about, well, the U S you know, when they spread out Mexico and they were able to break them down and triangulate through the midfield and, and then whatever those were, there were moments of that. By and large, it was like fight, scrap, get your chances, you know, uh, smash and grab, and and show a little bit of that fight. And I think that's a really important thing for us to be able to default to. And when you look at somebody like Weston McKinney able to deliver that, yes, we're going to continue to want him to be better in the buildup and be more connected to the attack and show that he can do more over ninety minutes. But if he can bring those types of moments, I always go back to look, Landon Donovan is one of the greatest players to ever play for the for the U.S. national team. But I remember specifically playing in big games in Central America where Landon Donovan didn't want the ball anywhere near him. And then when that moment would come where he'd have to come in the 80th minute or 81st minute and the ball would come back to him in the box and he was able to put that ball away, you knew that's why he was on the field, right? Other games he could take over. He could run at players. He could do everything. You know, from a gifted standpoint, unbelievable. But there was a lot of games that I remember playing with Landon that he wasn't the guy that we gave the ball to and he could take over in those moments. But he delivered on the big moments. And he had both of those other games. He could take over, like I said, because before anybody attacks me for that, but I, I just remember that <laughs> being a huge deal 
uh, of somebody that even if in the flow of the game, they have that X factor where they can deliver massive moments for the team. And, and, and Weston has that, and we need to be able to get into positions and deliver balls into positions that can allow somebody like that to deliver uh, in, in tough moments. I, I think with Landon really quick, because I played with him too, uh, both for club and country. I, I sometimes he didn't want the responsibility. Like he didn't, he didn't want that responsibility. Like, oh man, I got to be the guy again today. Like we're not good enough that I, I, you know, you could just kind of feel that was his energy. But then to your point, all of a sudden he'd come up with some, some magic and and you're like, all right, all right, it's, it's all good. We're good. Thanks, Landon. Appreciate the three points there. Now, Charlie, let's get back to Weston McKinney. Juve was in a 4-4-2, and McKinney wasn't central. He was out wide right, which is probably why he found himself in a channel to hit up cross to Vlahovic. They had Rabio and Locatelli, who were both coming back from injury, in the middle of the field. I think it's interesting to have McKinney wide right, and he still found himself in the middle of the action, and, and I think that allows him maybe to take some risks in ways that he can't – because if he's central, to get back to our conversation before the break, if we wanted a player to cheat, and maybe we want it to be McKinney at times, which we won't because he plays centrally for us. But if he was out wide or a little wider, he's a great guy. He's got a good – I think he's good at sniffing out potential opportunities of, of when to cheat and how. Um, I just don't – right. I'm just right saying they have him out wide right. Yeah, I just thought it was no, worth, worth uh, discussing. Yeah, and, and just I, – I wouldn't – think that'd be great for him for the u.s women's national team to play him wide right well, but, they're in a 4-4-2 as well so that, that yeah. has to be taken into consideration um what what i would say is that goal was also in transition i mean he, he had a lot of space and he was he was busting out down the right wing he can still do that from his midfield position with the u.s men's national team that and again he's stronger on the right side kind of similar to what sergio dest would be on the right side not on the left because you got to rely on yourself to cut back inside weston has been able to be so productive with Juve when they win the ball and he can just get forward or they win the ball and he's streaking from a deeper position into the box. And because it gets played around and then cut back, he's there for a tap in very good with his timing. I mean, one of the best players that, that I've seen in his generation when it comes to timing, whether it's in the air or his timing in the box, just his arrival is usually at, at, at the perfect moment and, and he capitalizes. So when I'm looking at the U.S. Men's National Team now, I'm just thinking of grinding and and the sim the different ways that this team can win. They can win off of set pieces. They can win off of individual brilliance. Whether it's Weston McKinney arriving in the box late, and you know because of Christian Pulisic's one one v one ability, similar to what we saw with Connor Gallagher with with the Chelsea goal, being able to find that we can win off of of Christian if he's wide right and dribbling and off the dribble he can create those moments Timothy Weah just getting in behind uh, Gio Reyna we've seen what he can do in in open space we have those players but rarely do we see them in those moments because of how jam jam they up they are in in the way that they play this game in this system they need more freedom more flexibility more space and i think their willingness to come check in deep all the time prevents them from from being in those positions to to take advantage of the 1v1 opportunities. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so let's let's just let me get to go through a quick roundup of everybody that's that's played this past weekend or didn't play due to injury and you guys can jump in and and talk about whoever you want. Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, 0-0 draw for Leeds against Aston Villa. They got a red card in that game, so it was going to be a little bit difficult for them or Brendan in particular to to do much once they went down to 10 men. Tyler Adams though named as man of the match, so that's that's mm -hmm. pretty sweet. We have a uh, John Brooks, baby. One minute as a substitute. 
And a 0-0 draw for Benfica at Vitoria. Close it out. Marais. Let's go. Closing it out, baby. Got Reggie Cannon, unfortunately, did not play for Boa Vista this past week. He's still injured. Cameron Carter-Vickers also injured. Conrad De La Fuente. He's just a Conrad. I know he's not part of the, really part of the player pool anymore, but you got to shout out Conrad's. Uh, he is not even dressing for Olympiacos right now. Jesus Ferreira, 90 minutes in a 1-0 loss to the Rapids. Uh, we have Horvath, second consecutive shutout for Luton against Hull City. Zero shots on win. goal in that game. I mean, that is the perfect, perfect thing. Sean Johnson, yeah. 90 minutes in a 2-1 win versus Orlando City. NYCFC booking a home game for their first round with their comeback win there. We have uh, Aaron Long, not in the 18, did not play. And a 2-1 loss for the Red Bulls at Columbus Crew. That is interesting. Mark McKenzie, 90 minutes and a 2-1 win for Genk. Uh, we have Eunice Musa again, still injured and, and did not play in a 2-2 draw for Valencia. Eric Palmer-Brown got 90 minutes and a 2-2 draw. Jordan Pifok, this is an interesting one. Union Berlin haven't lost in forever, and they lost to Eintracht Frankfurt 2-0. Him and Geraldo Becker, his strike partner up top, both didn't get any shots on goal. A, a really quiet game for, for Jordy overall. But Ricardo played 90 minutes. He played 90 minutes. That's true. Yeah, that's the first that's one. Uh, Tim Ream, he had 90 minutes, 4-1 loss at home to Newcastle. Chris Richards. That's what, hey, by the way, that's probably because Greg told him he needs to play. Like, you know, you know how coaches can be. <laughs> play you know, a higher like, line. <laughs> oh, no, you're scoring a lot of goals, but I need you to play 90 minutes. He's going to his coach. He'll be like, hey, coach, I got to eliminate some of these things. I got to get to a World Cup. He's like, all right, I'll leave you in for 90. Even It's going to be like, I need you to play 90 plus. So, so uh, Chris Richards and Anthony Robinson both did not play, respectively. Josh Sargent got 90 minutes for Norwich in their 1-0 win at Blackpool. Joe Scally, we got to talk about Joe Scally. 77 minutes and a 5-1 loss at Werder Bremen. Uh, he did not look good. In particular, he got beat and maybe could have helped in a couple different areas. This is probably the worst performance I and I watched this one. I'm like, okay, we talked up Joe Scally. I'm going to make some time to watch him against Werder Bremen away from home. And... He didn't. He did not look good. I don't know if you guys caught any of this game or saw the highlights, mm -hmm. but it was not Joe Scally's finest hour, and that's a little bit disappointing. Obviously, he's trying to break in. Another player that disappointed, Zach Steffen, one-zero loss to Coventry, who had not yet won in the championship, and Middlesbrough ended up firing their coach. So I don't know what that means for Zach Steffen's future. He did have a play where he came off the line or out of the box and cleared it and cleared it right to the guy, and the guy could have chipped him and just hit it wide. Now I, I still think. He that should have got like, him, and he didn't. He like had the whole goal in plenty of time. 40 out, yeah, yeah. So, so that's yeah. disappointing. Big news, though, Tim, Timo Weah, back in the 18 for Lille, did not play, though, in their 2-1 loss to Lorient. And uh, Walker Zimmerman got 90 minutes for Nashville, but he and they lost 2-1 to Houston Dynamo, and a and, uh, penalty called on him. A little unfortunate, hit his hand. But, no, the, uh, the foul was for the the kick. He he, oh, he oh, kicked, kicked him first. Yeah, I thought it was Corey a handball. No, he he fouled Corey Barry. All right, so so yeah. but Walker got a goal back, so I guess he evened yeah. out his own mistake in some ways. But uh, Nashville had a good run up until that point. Four wins and two draws leading into this game, but might, might be stumbling into the playoffs. So that's pretty much it. Sammy Vines got seventy seven minutes in Royal Antwerp's first loss of the season. Uh, they lost two one. Any oh, yeah. anybody you want to jump out? Anybody what you guys want to talk about? Charlie, I come to you first. I think I missed some people. No, I mean you, you, uh, you junior desk. The junior desk. Super junior desk got 15 minutes for Milan in their 3-1 win against Empoli. Did you bring up Sam Vines? Sammy, I just did. Sammy Vines. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh Palmer Brown. Kellen Acosta got an assist. LAFC, mm -hmm. congratulations to them for winning the, the Supporter Shield. They've now booked mm -hmm. a ticket for the CONCACAF Champions League as well. But yeah, a lot of good performances. 
Uh, overall, Paul Areola suspended, not in the 18, in FC Dallas's 1-0 loss against Colorado. I think I got pretty much everybody, but... Uh, Kevin, Kevin Paredes uh, got, got minutes. That's right. And, Big news uh, on that. Luca, Luca De La Torre, I think you mentioned him, but he played 20, which 20 is minutes. always a bright sign and somebody that we sort of wrote off as like, hey, he is who he is because probably not much is going to change before the World Cup. And, you know, um, it's a decent amount of playing time. Um, yeah, uh, James Sands, Malik more. Tillman... And both those guys got subs uh, appearances. So Sands not starting right now after a kind of a poor run of, of form and Malik Tillman not starting either. You talk so, about Tim Ream? Yeah, I did. I just mentioned that he lost 4-1 to Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the most goals that, that they've given up so far in one game this season. So I don't know. I don't know who you guys want to jump into. But for me, the big conversation piece was just kind of like how to, for the guys that were having success this particular weekend, how do we kind of re- make that work or that's that's terrible word choice but how do we uh swashbuckle yeah we got we how do we swashbuckle that into our into our national team and so they can start to really play to their strengths mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be a big challenge for us i i guess the the two players that stand out to me this weekend would be you want to go three up three down on the weekend <laughs> yeah yeah um matt turner is an up um, <laughs> yeah. i knew you'd do that tyler adams uh tyler adams and and ricardo pepe those are the two players that come to mind. I mean, okay. Leeds were outplayed by Aston Villa because Aston Villa switched up their tactics and and really disrupted the way Leeds played. Slowed the game down, didn't make it, you know, north and south. They, they didn't get stretched. But Tyler Adams was what really kept Leeds together. And, and that's because of his work rate, his ability to cover, read plays. He did that really well. Um, and then just Ricardo Pepe, just continuing to to develop and and – he needs to score goals and, and be an influence and make a difference. And if if he keeps finding finding the net and, and scoring and being that guy for his team, that that'll ultimately help us come come November. So there's an opportunity, Heath, that midweek because there's big Champions League games. Chelsea hosts AC Milan, and now with uh, David Calabria, who plays and starts right back for AC Milan, being hurt, so he got hurt in the Empoli game. Could be an opportunity for Serginho Dest to actually play straight up at the right back spot against Christian Pulisic, who could be starting at left wing for Chelsea. Uh, that would be, that would be remarkable. No. Yeah. I, somebody just, uh, I don't remember who commented said that three got promoted. Three had to walk the plank. Uh, of course. Really? Uh, 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 yeah. The original. The if you're not swashbuckling, yeah. you're walking yeah. the plank. Yeah. Walk the plank. Um, no, I think, I think it's a great opportunity for Serginho Des. You know, for me, again, it's not about necessarily the output. I just like to see, some of our players get those consistent minutes so they personally feel good. Like, Serginho Dest isn't a bubble player. He's likely our starter in a World Cup if he's fit and healthy. Will likely be at right back or will be our right back. I just want to see him come into it with the fitness and with the confidence of somebody that we need to have an X-factor going forward because we saw that the, the his ball that, that goes into uh, Ferreira is the difference of Ferreira finishing that in a whole, maybe a whole different window. Uh, it's putting a lot of pressure on Ferreira there. But, like, we know how one goal can change everything, right? We know how one moment can change everything, especially against the run of play. And um, yeah, I'd just love to see him get uh, get some time. Okay, well, speaking about the Champions League, Charlie, we have Rangers traveling to Anfield to take on Liverpool. So it could be an opportunity. I think Sands is pretty much out of the conversation, but good for Malik Tillman potentially to, to say, hey, listen, I know I didn't play well against Celtic in the old firm. I, I didn't do well against Ajax. But prior to that, I was actually pretty influential against PSV. I know I can show up against this type of quality. Liverpool, a little down and out right now. 
after their 3-3 draw with Brighton. It's really not a great start to the season for them as they try to incorporate uh, Darwin Nunez into it and, and obviously the loss of Sadio Mane. But so there's that conversation to be had. We have Chelsea, AC Milan, which we talked about. Juve, curious to see if Weston McKinney gets another start against Maccabi Haifa. And then Benfica hosts PSG. And this is kind of the last hope. This is all the John Brooks fans out there going, if he can start in this one and can hold this incredible attack from PSG and get killing Mbappe and Leo Messi and Neymar in his back pocket, would that be enough for you? I kind of just, can we just have a hypothetical for two minutes on if John Brooks starts his game and owns PSG in that front three? I, I, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you break him part of the roster at that point? I mean, that's pretty much what everybody's looking at in this particular moment. And then Borussia Dortmund is away to Sevilla. Uh, Gia Reyna is not ex- is supposed to start. He's still hurt. So those are pretty much our only representation in, in the Champions League at the moment. I know that we have uh, Josh Cohen who plays goalkeeper for Maccabi Haifa, but, but uh, let's talk about John Brooks really quick. Uh, you think it's done? It doesn't matter. Even if yeah. he has, even if he's got killing Mbappe and everybody in his back pocket, uh, it doesn't matter. It, I mean, any, yeah. anybody I've seen, hey. I've seen some, I've seen some really average players have unbelievable games, Jimmy. And I'm not saying he's that, but I'm saying that's a lot of spec. Like, we are creating multiple layers of speculation and then the okay. result of that speculation that I think is even then it's still hard to 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 see Greg mm-hmm. being like, shoot, I didn't know we could do that against Mbappe. Let's bring him. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I just I listen, everybody that's listening or watching, I asked these two to dance. It's personal. Turn, it's still they personal. They turned me down. They it, didn't want to dance. Just, they didn't want to dance. It's in just, hypothetical it's, just space per, right. it's just personal. I, I think personal. I think there it's on a level that's personal there. Um that I that that it's not about um, playing or not playing. Uh, I think it's a system-based, and there's there's another layer to that that I think we're missing still as well. All right, final thoughts then. Charlie, I'm coming to you. Any final thoughts for us on this Monday show? And just to remind everybody, we got two more shows for you this week on Thursday and Friday, respectfully. We're going to be having a special guest coming your way like we always do, so make sure you fasten your seatbelts for that. But we're not going to tell you who it is. got to wait and come back and find out. It's always part of the team. Uh, All right, Charlie, sure. final thoughts. Yeah, final thought. Shout out to Julia C in the comments. Uh, YouTube, you are killing it. Um, comments of the day, the swashbuckling <laughs> from from Jimmy. You're just handling. You're swaddling it back to him. So love it. Keep it going. All right, all right. Giving some love to the YouTube audience. How about you, Heath Pierce? Uh, I'm gonna attack our YouTube audience for attacking my hair. Uh, I get it, guys. I had these headphones on, and then when I took them off, then obviously it all falls apart. Okay, I'm very insecure about that. See, there's a whole bunch of comments of of just like it's you not, know people coming. Now you look like me, little so. Nikki. So here's a here's a comment. A comments from Zach who says he's got one of those bumping hair things in from the old late night TV commercials. Well, I'm screaming at my mom to make my breakfast now that the show's over. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Heath puts that industrial strength pomade in his hair. Uh, uh, that's yeah, that's it for me. Right. Our, 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 our people are great. They're the greatest. Our community is amazing. Thank you, you, everybody, for the support on either the podcast Much platform love. of your choice and on the YouTubes, of course. So on behalf of Producer Dad's Producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese, Trash Can, Conrad Dino Conrad, saying thank you for listening and watching in Soccer We Trust, and we will see you next time. Later. Hey. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.